Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Hey everyone, this is Aaron with the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. And this is always brought to you by 5MinuteBibleStudy.com. If you've never been there, go check it out. If you're listening for the first time, welcome to the show. I hope that you get something out of it. If you've already been listening to the podcast, this is another a little bit abnormal episode where I'm not going to have my regular segments. And this one, strictly because of how long the interview was with special guest Trevor Calvert. I have a real treat for you guys. Trevor has never been on the podcast, but we got together and we've been planning this for a while to get together and talk about things that will help with spiritual growth, personal development, and lots of stuff around that. We've been reading a book together called Atomic Habits, and we're going to interplay with that book quite a bit on this episode. So it's about a 52-minute segment, just talking me and Trevor back and forth, and because of that, I'm not going to have Bible story, not going to have foot math and all that stuff. We're just going to get right into it. Before I do get into it, I will remind you, I forgot to mention this on the episode, but Trevor is the other co-author of the book, The Christian Alcohol, which 5-Minute Bible Study published last year. So just by way of reference, uh, perhaps you've seen his name before. That's probably where you saw it. So without further delay, here's my interview with Trevor Calvert. Okay, we're back on the main dish of the 5-Minute Bible Study podcast, and I got today Trevor Calvert, as was advertised. Trevor, how you doing? Doing great. Excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this quite a while, and I know you have been too, so really excited to talk about spiritual growth and building habits in relation to growing spiritually. Absolutely. I'm super excited about it. I know we've talked about it for a little while, and so I'm just excited to be able to join and uh, you know kick some things around, and hopefully it's going to be you know beneficial to everybody, and as we look at a lot of these topics reflecting on personal growth and uh, taking a lot of that knowledge that's that we see from, you know, a lot of uh, business sources, self-improvement sources. Those are the sources I really gravitate toward, have for years, and how we can make applications uh, spiritually. So super excited. How about you give everybody like a 60 sec, uh, I'm sorry, a 60 second overview of who you are, um, because I'm sure probably that half the listeners I've never heard of you. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, there's probably quite a few people who've never heard of of Trevor Calvert. So I'll, and it's a I'll shame give an overview because but, they should have. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. As far as an overview of me, um, you know, especially from a spiritual standpoint, as we reflect on, you know, a lot a lot of listeners are going to be listening from you know from the. Uh, Church of Christ Brotherhood and everything, but uh, born and raised here at uh, Summertown, Tennessee, um, at the Chapel Grove Congregation. Uh, did move away for a little bit to uh, uh, go to Brookside Church of Christ when I went to pharmacy school. Uh, graduated pharmacy school in 2013, and um, ended up getting married in 20. 20- 16, uh, and we still lived in Nashville at that time and gradually made our way back. But, um, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, just, I've always had that focus of, um, uh, personal growth, uh, development. I had a lot of stuff carry over from, from college as far as that goes, as far as focusing on, you know, good study habits and things along those lines. And, um, uh, you know, obviously, 
spiritual growth has, has always been a focus of mine and, um, have always gravitated toward, uh, personal growth and, and development. And I think it all started with, uh, John Maxwell. Uh, that was, that was kind of my, my gateway, so to speak into the self-improvement world. And, uh, so I've really always valued listening to resources like that. Maxwell primarily, as you know, is a, uh, business and leadership, uh, focused author, um, and just really love his work. And then that has led to me discovering several other individuals in the space of self-improvement. And, and so that's always been a, a primary focus of mine is, um, you know, constantly learning, growing. Um, and I'll just share this briefly about myself. I've probably gone over my 60 second time <laughs> okay. frame, but, um, but, uh, one thing that I would definitely do along the way is, listen to uh, self-improvement resources on my drive to and from work. Um, At one point driving to and from Nashville, I had, you know, about a two and a half hour round trip. So you can get a lot of good audio books or podcasts or YouTube talks in there. And it just gradually became just a, just a habit that, you know, as we're talking about habits today, but um, just subtly that, that was a habit that I developed and, and it's just been something that's carried on even to the present day and something that I anticipate I'll always strive for is, is always seeking after, you know, the next thing and the next bit of knowledge and, and learning from others and seeing what I can do to improve myself and, and hopefully, you know, something that, that we'll explore today and in whatever experience I've had, we can, you know, uh, help other uh, audience members um, explore personal growth as well. We already talked about how this is going to be a very relaxed conversation. We don't have a particular goal in mind, like we're going to reach this point on our papers here. Uh, We have some talking points. Mm -hmm. But anyways, with that said, let's just get on a tangent immediately. (laughs) Sounds sounds perfect. I love tangents. (laughs) You talked about college, and it just struck me. um, Going through college myself, I felt like a lot of my work ethic was established, well, really before I got to college, but was reinforced maybe – strengthen in college. How do you feel like college and you went through pharmacy school in case anybody didn't hear that. Um, how do you feel like college and the, the habits you had to form there helped you or hurt you? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great question. I I really feel like ultimately I, I benefited from a lot of the habits that, that I developed, um, throughout my, uh, collegiate career and, uh, I think just the the year spent in in diligent study, um, you know, focusing on preparation for assignments, for uh, exams, and then looking ahead to what my ultimate goal was of of becoming a pharmacist, um, it really did train me to, um, you know, be more, uh, you know, oriented toward uh, diligent study that has definitely translated well into my biblical study. Um, you know, I strive to teach at least once a month, uh, there at Chapel Grove and, um, the things that I learned and and developed along the way have, have definitely helped me to, to get to kind of where I'm at as a, as a teacher. I still feel like I've got a good bit of growth to go, um, in that, in that area, but definitely it's, it's served me well. I think just the, the habits I picked up along the way, um, you know, some habits that, that, uh, didn't serve me well. And, and, uh, you know, I think it's really easy 
in college to kind of know just, you know, the mark you're shooting for and then um, really easy to just kind of let that, you know, let other things fall by the wayside, so to speak. You know, you, you've got your main focus of, of um, you know, focusing on academics. And I will say there were times where I let spiritual growth fall by the wayside. I, it, academics consumed so much of my time that I didn't put enough emphasis on spiritual growth. So I'm with you right there um, in college, yeah. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So I think there were, overall, definitely it served me well. Uh, I was in college three years undergrad, four years pharmacy school, so seven years total. And um, one thing I will say about uh, going to college, becoming a pharmacist, I realized uh, years years later, looking back, I've, I've been out of school. I graduated 2013, so uh, nine years ago. Um, and, uh, one thing I realized, uh, a few years after that was I had put so much focus on achieving that goal. And, um, you know, I know the book that you and I have been reviewing lately, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, he talks about, uh, goals versus, uh, systems as far as developing good habits, um, and how often we're, we're goal oriented, but we're not enough, uh, systems oriented. And for me, looking back at pharmacy school, I was so focused on the goal of graduating, becoming a pharmacist, attaining the knowledge that I needed to get there that I noticed after that, after that goal was achieved, I began to see a plateau and even a, a little bit of a decline as far as my continual, you know, knowledge improvement and, mm-hmm. and, you know, self-improvement. So I think sometimes we can be too focused and, and kind of like what Simon Sinek, um, who wrote a book called the infinite game, he talks about playing a finite game versus an infinite game. And sometimes we have such a finite mindset and we just, uh, look toward just the immediate thing of achieving a goal, but we don't look too far ahead to see that, Hey, we're playing an infinite, infinite game. Um, and I'll share this one last example. I remember when I was in my fourth year of pharmacy school, final year, uh, it was all clinical rotations. And I remember going to a uh, Walgreens to shadow some pharmacists for, for one particular month. And I remember one individual telling me he remembers the days leading up to him graduating pharmacy school and telling himself, you know, I think it might have been on the day of graduation. This is the smartest that I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> and I think therein lies, a, you know, a key for, for a lot of us. We focus too much on achieving a goal, yeah. and then we don't pay attention to what happens after that. And I love what Brian Tracy says. If you're not constantly learning, you're actually falling behind. Um, so I think we always need to be focusing on, hey, this is an infinite game that we're playing. Uh, especially in spiritual terms, and we need to be constantly uh, improving ourselves. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of had a similar experience in a way. When I uh, was in nursing school, I decided I want to be a trauma nurse. And so when mm-hmm. I got out of nursing school, I started working at a hospital, finally got in the ER, finally got on the trauma team, got all my certifications, all that. And then it took about a year to realize that this was not uh, going to be my life's fulfillment. I wasn't, you know... Yeah. Uh, I felt like after a couple of years, I was getting burnt out and all that. So that was when I transitioned to the, the preaching field. Um, I, I kind of made that transition beforehand. But if you if you can kind of see two, three years ahead for that type of a, a block to hit your life, um, a wall, I mean, it's going to come probably somewhere. 
then you can try to prepare in advance so that you don't stop growing. But we, I'm not, I'm not going to act like I didn't hit the same wall and have some emptiness at some point. Yeah. Yep. And it's very easy for other things to start to, to creep in as well. You know, the uh, productive habits that you had as a student, then, you know, be- can quickly, at least in my case, become unproductive habits or I've worked so long uh, and so hard, you know, for seven years of college, I'm I'm going to take it a little bit easy now. And mm-hmm. before you know it, you know, a month or two of, of taking it easy becomes years of taking it easy yes. and y- years of looking back and realizing, oh, I haven't, I haven't progressed at all over the past, you know, three, five years, whatever it might be, or at least that growth is, is pretty minimal compared to what it could have been. Yeah. Um, so, so definitely has, has kind of shifted my perspective um, especially as I've taken on, you know, more responsibilities with being a husband, uh, being a father of two kids now, you know, you, you really start to view things from a different perspective and, and, uh, you know, start to see that th- there's definitely areas that, you know, I need to focus more on and, and, uh, you know, definitely there's, I'll use this example too. There's time for, for entertainment and, and things just to, to relax. We all need that. We, we all need to have that reward of having relaxation. But um, if you let that linger for too long, you realize, you know, you look up and so much time has passed you by that you could have made progress toward toward other goals and uh, setting other habits for yourself. Yeah. I don't know if I read it, but I, I talked to Chance quite a bit about the idea of um, if you ever feel comfortable, that's probably not a good thing. And that yeah. applies to so many <laughs> things, whether, you know, you're focusing on your secular profession, but especially as a Christian, if you're ever comfortable, uh, it better not be for long or you're probably stagnant and the person that buried his talent in the sand, as opposed to investing it with the bankers, uh, Matthew 25. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's such a great point. And I love that topic of, of, uh, of comfort. You know, we as humans always are seeking after points of comfort in our lives. Um, and, you know, in, in whatever it is, it's like our, our minds, you know, and as we talk about habits as well, the basal ganglia of the brain is, is that area of the brain that wants to constantly structure things to where it can be put on autopilot so that it can devote resources to other areas. So our brain has a way of, if something can be made into a habit, um, and can be made into, you know, a, just a more comfortable situation, it's going to do that just by default. And so um, being mindful of that and being mindful that we're creatures that seek after comfort, um, but growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone. And so we have to realize that, you know, in order to break out of our our, our current state that we're in and, and, and achieve the goals that we all strive for, we've got to recognize that I'm going to be striving at baseline for comfort, whether I realize it or if it's subconscious and just being more mindful of that. Um, I, I think will will definitely serve us well. I agree. I don't use words like basal ganglia, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's obviously an intelligence gap between me and Trevor and I'll let you decide who's, Oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, no. Um, you spend any amount of time with Aaron and you know that, that, uh, he's highly intelligent and always, uh, you know, improving himself and always seeking after knowledge. So I've, I've learned so much from you just in the short time you've, you've been here, the evangelist at Chapel Grove. So definitely value that. And, and, uh, makes me think back to the passage of as iron sharpens iron, 
you know, so uh, definitely, definitely have valued from, from your experience and your knowledge. Where's the delete button? <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you're too kind. So. Um, back to Atomic Habits. I don't know if we officially introduced it, but you mentioned this book that we've been reading together, which honestly we haven't read in a few weeks. I think the whole yeah the whole um, accident with Brother Wayne kind of put us on pause, and we really haven't gotten back to it, but. Um, I think we've read the first four chapters. So before our audience thinks that we've really done something, <laughs> maybe absolutely. Maybe, let's let let's put it all out on the table. Maybe <laughs> a quarter of the way through it. But I'm telling you, within just the first quarter or fifth of the book, whatever we've read, just that alone has been so enlightening and really got me excited to read more of it. We're, we'll finish it before the year's over. But um, mm-hmm, absolutely, you had mentioned. Yep. Yeah. I th- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I've made it through chapter seven most recently and every single chapter is, is pure gold. And just, you know, the overall comment I would give for the book is uh, of the material I've seen on, on habit formation. This one I think stands out as, as one of the best, um, his material. And, you know, if you're not a book reader, if you're not, you know, someone who, you know, if you think that, oh, well, I just, this isn't part of my regular routine or any this is a simple book it's a very simple practical book but very very profound and i think anybody can can value from this book and and uh so so i highly recommend it like you said we haven't read the full thing but uh what we've read so far i would say is 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 just pure gold and if you're not familiar with it i was introduced to it by beth schaefer who is a friend of the podcast uh, from Indiana. And thank you, Beth, if you're listening to this, for recommending this book on Facebook. I saw her review and I just saw the title. The tap title was what captured me. But um, it's a New York Times bestseller. It's, I think it's still the number one bestseller on Amazon, or at least it was a month ago. And it's that for a reason. Um, this guy's not a Christian. In fact, he says some things, just little tidbits that lead me to believe that he is an atheist. Maybe he's not. But anyway, uh, that aside, you can take what he says and run with it in whatever context that your your focus is. In this case, a spiritual context. But you had mentioned about systems versus goals, and that mm-hmm. that uh, the phrase systems. I didn't really know what he was talking about, so I'm sure people who haven't read the book are still in the dark there. Exactly what you're talking about. So, um, could you, I guess explain to the audience what is a habit and what is this distinction that you're making between goals versus systems? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, clear goes into so much more detail in his book on this. So mine is going to be a very, very general overview paraphrase of, of what he says, but I think we all know, uh, generally what a habit is. Um, it's obviously something that has, you know, become a part of our daily routine, whether it's a good habit or it's a bad habit. Um, and so, you know, just things that we repeatedly do, however small or insignificant, uh, that just gradually become part of our, our routine. Um, and clear names his book atomic habits, uh, because he points out these small, seemingly insignificant habits that when you stack them together and you compound them day over day, uh, they actually can result in incredible uh, outcomes. And so, um, so he, he, you know, starts off 
talking about his own story uh, of how he suffered from, and, and I won't, don't want to give too much of the book away because I want people to read it, but um, he he suffered from an injury in as as a sophomore in high school. Uh, he got uh, hit by a baseball bat. Somebody let go of the baseball bat, and it just came back and, and hit him square in the nose and caused a lot of uh, bleeding on the brain. He had to be life-flighted. Uh, it took quite some time for him to uh, recover and to rehabilitate from that injury. Um, and uh, throughout the course of you know the years that followed as he entered college and everything, he realized that he needed to form uh, certain habits if he wanted to achieve certain things in life. Baseball was an important thing for him. So he realized you know the focus that he needed to have on the small things of like making his bed in the morning, uh, focusing on, on doing some daily reading in order to self-improve. Um, and he would just gradually work through these small, very, uh, in, you know, what we would consider insignificant changes if you look at it as just in a snapshot of a day. But when you compound that over years and years, uh, he became a really good baseball player, never uh, had the talent to, to make it, uh, you know, to the, to anything higher, you know, from the collegiate level, but rose to be, I believe, the captain of his team uh, at, at his college um, and was just a great player in his own right. But ultimately what it, the trajectory that that put him on, um, you know, having that injury put him at a disadvantage to where he knew that he needed to form some some habits in order to, you know, be able to gain you know, advantages and, and to progress in life uh, ultimately led him to, you know, as you mentioned, becoming a best-selling author, talking about his experiences and what he's learned in the field of, of habits. So um, all that being said, I've kind of, I, I, I think uh, when it comes to tangents, I think that's mostly my conversations is, <laughs> is, is completely tangent filled. But, um, but he does mention in the book as well, as you mentioned, the uh, goals versus systems. You know, a lot of times we set a goal, uh, you know, I want to lose a certain amount of weight or I want to achieve, you know, a, a certain a certain degree, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I want to achieve a certain occupation or whatever it might be. Um, someone wants to stop smoking. Um, things that you want to, good habits you want to develop or bad habits that you want to eliminate. And he said that the problem isn't that we don't set good goals for ourselves, but the problem is that we don't put the systems in place to achieve those goals. Um, and he points out, you know, just the daily habits that we need to install in order to uh, reach those goals. Uh, it's not enough to simply say, I have this goal. We have to make sure we're putting those steps in place to reach that goal. And it's a daily, hourly process uh, when you break it down fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and he points out as well the problem with goals. You know, I love what he says. Winners and losers both have the same goal of, of you know, winning a championship. You know, so what separates them? Well, it's the ones that ultimately realize, well, setting a goal of winning a championship is not enough. I need to make sure that I'm do, putting in the work daily in order to achieve that. And whenever we break it down into a spiritual context, if I want to become a stronger Christian, uh, you know, that's a noble goal, but what systems are you going to put in place? Uh, because as Clear points out, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. Yeah, what you just said, I hear so much people say, I want to be a stronger Christian, especially at the beginning of the year. 
if anybody ever gives mm-hmm. me their spiritual goals, that's, that's one of them, but there is no way to measure that. Just that statement alone. Yeah. I want to be a stronger Christian. Well, what are you going to do Monday morning, every Monday morning to reach that? What system are you putting in place? That's the question. And, um, yeah, I, I really like that, that point that he made as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to, uh, make sure that you, uh, put those things into practice as immediately as you can. And I think also you can't set, you know, a too lofty of a goal for yourself or you'll never achieve it. And that's clear's focus is on atomic habits, atomic, you know, referring back to atoms that make up, um, you know, that make up our, our cells and makes up every fiber of, of our existence on earth. When you break it down to its simplest form, the smallest thing are atoms. And similarly, habits are the things that stack together to become our lives uh, and our daily routines. And so we need to focus on just making small changes. Um, and before you know it, they're going to result in, in, in incredible results. Um, I love another thing that he says too, not just systems are enough, but you need to change your identity as well. Um, and he gives a good example, uh, a few good examples, but one I want to mention is he talks about someone who wants to quit smoking. If someone offers them a cigarette, usually the response is, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. Yeah. You know, and that would seem to us on the surface like, well, that's a, you know, a legitimate, you know, and, and noble response from someone who wants to quit smoking. But instead, he says, you need to adopt the habit of the person you already want to become. If you want to quit smoking and someone offers you a cigarette, you need to say, no, thanks. I'm not a smoker. You know, maybe on the surface, you feel hypocritical by that, but changing your identity to the person that you're already wanting to become and saying, no, thanks. I'm not a smoker it shifts that focus in your own mind and you adopt that identity and then everything that you do from there on out should be a reflection of that identity. Uh, as Clear points out, um, every habit that you have and every action you take is a vote for or a vote against the type of person you want to be. And so, um, you know, as we reflect on that in our own lives and especially spiritually and to reflect on what you just said, what actions are you going to take Monday morning that are going to be a vote for the type of Christian you want to be? You said something just made me think um, the application from a Christian standpoint. Whenever somebody asks you at work to, let's just say, you want to go out and get some drinks, and you, you want to communicate to them no, and maybe you even have a temptation to go with them because, you know, before you became a Christian, you, and maybe even still, you have that craving. Um, and so mm-hmm. what do we say sometimes? Well, growing up, I would just tell people I'm a Christian <laughs> and that was my answer. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas it didn't mean that I didn't have sinful habits that I w- was still trying to beat, but that response is communicating to the person. I'm no longer that person anymore. Even if I still relapse from time to time, what I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and that's defining your, your character as this new person that I'm going to be kind of like the, no, I don't, I'm not trying to quit smoking. I am a Christian. Um, anyways, that just yeah. came to me, Yeah, that's a, but I really, that's a very good point. Don't you now Maybe I don't know about your evolution of, of character or how you view human growth and all that through the years. But when I was younger and maybe even in college, I didn't feel like the mind had as much influence on on our health in general 
on our spiritual well-being on so many areas that now today, and I don't know if it's from being in medicine and seeing how under um, treated mental health is and all that, but this book included brings about how strong the mind is in bringing about changes in our lives. Um, Mm -hmm. It just seems to be overwhelming at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, whenever we're focusing and and I love to use this, this analogy of the pillars, I shared this with you recently, but uh, in talking about the different aspects of our lives, I like to think of them as, as, as pillars that, that hold up our lives, you know, spiritual, obviously for us as Christians is the primary pillar. It's the biggest pillar, the central pillar that holds up our lives. Uh, but there's also the supporting pillars of our mental health, um, our social health, physical health, um, you know, all these different things that help to, uh, support, uh, our, our overall, you know, successful Christian life. Uh, and I think a lot of times we, at least I can speak for myself traditionally, uh, years ago, didn't put enough emphasis on focusing on physical health and mental health and, you know, improving mentally and, and, and physically and, and realizing the impact that that could have on our overall spiritual well-being and our overall, uh, well-being, you know, in the service to God. Um, and as I reflect on that analogy of pillars, if everybody can just kind of imagine that the central pillar being spiritual and then all these other supporting pillars, if, if I'm not focusing enough on my physical health, for example, and if I'm, you know, continually eating junk food, if I'm not focusing on good exercise and nutrition and the things that are going to lead to an overall better physical well-being, then that pillar begins to crumble in and of itself you know, but of course, you know, our overall life can be still supported by the other pillars. But what happens when one pillar begins to crumble away as we put more strain on the pillars that remain? Uh, not, I, I honestly feel like not being uh, in good physical health is going to put a strain uh, on our spiritual well-being and mental well-being. And, you know, that may be kind of, you know, pretty low hanging fruit and self-explanatory, but I think we often overlook that. Um, and the times that I have focused more on improving my physical health, um, have, you know, completed morning exercise, uh, those things that are going to make for a great day instead of just sleeping in until the last minute, which my wife will tell you I've been known to do, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but the days that I do that, you know, for example, this week, uh, getting up and, and, um, getting a good exercise in, um, earlier in the week, you know, for stacking that, you know, um, a couple of days in a row can, can have tremendous, uh, have a tremendous impact on your overall well-being. You feel better overall, and it's going to help you to become a stronger Christian as well, because one, one habit, one positive change can lead to a positive change for others. There's uh, Charles Duhigg who wrote the book, uh, The Power of Habit. I'll admit I haven't read the book, but I've read an, or I've listened to him interviewing about the book and a lot of the key concepts about habits. Um, he talks about keystone habits, um, exercise being one of those. Um, and pretty much in essence, a keystone habit is something that you uh, complete and it leads to more habits, more positive habits the rest of the day. For example, if you exercise at the beginning of the day, how likely are you to get eat, eat a cheeseburger at lunchtime? You know, you're likely going to want to support that, uh, 
you know, that positive habit that you had in the morning, that positive action, you're going to want to support that with eating healthy the rest of the day or taking positive steps that complement that keystone habit of of exercise. So um, I've kind of gone on another tangent, but but I think to answer your question, you know, as we focus on physical health or even mental health and improving that, that's going to have tremendous results on improving our spiritual health. Uh, Yes, above all else, spiritual is the most important aspect of our lives as Christians, but there are things that we can do that really complement and help to support and improve our spiritual health uh, in an indirect way. Yeah, and if you think that you can compartmentalize your spiritual health from your mental health, from your physical health and all that, and keep it all separate, and it doesn't have an effect on one another, um, just go back to the Old Testament and look at the consecration process (laughs) of the high priest. And whenever mm-hmm. they consecrate the priest, they put blood on his right ear, on his right fingertips, on his right foot, symbolizing that every part of his being was consecrated to God. And whenever God tells in through Paul, your bodies are a living sacrifice, um, being a burnt offering, completely consumed unto God. The idea is there is no part of your being, your your mental being, your physical being, your spiritual self that is not to be devoted to God. To illustrate how this is true, that people do make this false um, distinction between your beings, if you want to call it that. One time a Christian told me that you have to learn, and they were. Tra- I asked them how they could support a particular candidate in politics based off the fact that they strongly supported abortion, you know, and this person I knew mm-hmm. they did not agree with abortion. And they said, well, you have to learn to separate your religious beliefs from your political beliefs. <laughs> I couldn't believe what mm. I was hearing. And this person was not <laughs> no. a new Christian. They were in fact a preacher of the gospel. And I was just flabbergasted. And the more I've thought about wow. it, the more I've thought, this is a common fallacy within Christians thinking that you can separate parts of your lives and be partially consecrated to God in one part of your life, and it's not going to affect the rest of it. And if we're just talking about from a general well-being standpoint, uh, what you feed your mind, what you feed your, um, your, your spirit, and your physical body all has a bearing on one another. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. what else to say about that, but I just thought that that needed to be plugged in there. I like what you said about keystone habits. I've not actually heard that one before. Yeah, and and I love what you had mentioned as far as how we compartmentalize, and I think I think you're absolutely correct with, uh, you know that that being a uh, error in a lot of our mindset is is that we do compartmentalize our our Christianity, and it's something that should be, um, you know, fully we're, we all of our lives should be fully immersed in and and uh, our Christianity should be permeating every aspect of our lives you know, to where it's, it's clearly evident, you know, um, you know, whether it's our, our political beliefs or, um, you know, other, other aspects of our lives, we should be, it it should be evident, uh, to all. And it, you know, whoever it might be from the outside looking in, uh, that we're Christians and that should be in every component of our lives. And I love what you said about compartmentalization. Going, staying on that theme kind of, and going back a couple of steps to making minor improvements or atomic changes, Um, in -hmm. order to make your entire self, um, consecrated to God, as it were, we'll stay with that concept. 
um, Clear talks about 1% changes, which I'm not sure we've used that phrase that he uses yet. Um, 1% changes. And he, he talks about the bicycling team from uh, the UK years ago. I can't remember the yeah. year, but would you help the audience understand, uh, and, and you've kind of touched on it, but just elaborate more on 1% changes and what that actually looks like maybe um, on a spiritual standpoint on a day-to-day living. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I love the example that he, he uses there uh, talking about the British cycling team uh, that for uh, about 110 years, he says, they pretty much didn't accomplish anything uh, from the early 1900s all the way to, um, you know, the early 2000s. They they really had had very little to show for their efforts. I think one gold medal in the Olympics. Uh, they had never won the premier event in cycling, which is the Tour de France. Uh, no, no British man had ever taken that title in in that stretch of time. So they were overdue for for some changes, so to speak. And so there's this guy that uh, was hired by the British cycling team, Dave Brailsford, who uh, ends up helping the team to make some small changes that if we were to analyze some of these, you would think what in the world, (laughs) you know, was he thinking? Um, But they would make just these small changes. You know, a few examples would be they would have their outdoor riders switch to indoor riding suits because they were a little bit lighter and more aerodynamic. Um, They would change the uh, seats on the bikes to be a little bit more comfortable for the riders. They would change the uh, the massage gels for after they got done riding, and uh, it would the massage gels that they switched to would would make for quicker muscle recovery. Um, you know, and then one example that kind of seems off the wall, but I guess in our our COVID times that we're living in right now, um, they actually had a surgeon come in and teach the riding team on proper uh, hand washing techniques so that it, they could avoid yeah, yeah. Uh, ke- catching any illnesses, you know, and thereby not stall any progress they made in their training. So they made all of these changes, um, what he considers to be 1% changes. He also calls it the aggregation of marginal gains. Um, so making these small changes on a daily basis and one by one checking off some of these boxes that in and of themselves, any one thing alone is going to seem pretty insignificant. But when you stack all those together, it ends up compounding over time. And uh, what we end up seeing is the in 2003 when Brailsford takes over, it was shortly after that that they ended up being becoming a dominant force on the cycling scene uh, just by him coming in and making some of these changes. You know, they already knew how to be good cyclists, so that wasn't something they really had to focus on. It was all of the things that surrounded and complemented them as cyclists. So, um, But as we reflect on that for us as Christians, you know, and and the small changes we can make on a daily basis, um, you know, something as small as reading for 10 minutes a day in your Bible or just start small and start with just one chapter a day. You know, find something that's going to be manageable. Um, identify yourself. We talked about identity. Uh, looking at identifying yourself as a Bible reader. You know, this is something that I adopt as far as my identity and who I am. Um, reading the Bible every day. Um, one example that I'll share too is um, 
earlier this year, I wanted to start leading more songs out of our songbook. You know, we, uh, I think it's just oh, yeah. a natural thing that we kind of, we kind of gravitate toward wanting to, uh, sing some of the same, same songs. And so I wanted to learn some new ones cause there's still so many untouched in that, um, uh, redeeming love book songbook. Um, so what I would do is I would leave the songbook sitting out in the living room, um, and, you know, if I had a moment after work and I would, uh, or if I was on my lunch break, whatever it might be, I would just sit down in the living room and there would be the book. It would be right there in front of me. And I would just pick up the book and I would just flip through it, find the song I didn't know. It would be an easy song to pick up, an easy melody, uh, but one that we had never sang before. And so um, doing that, you know, multiple times a week gradually led me to kind of lead a few new songs. They, like I said, they weren't, you know, uh, you know, they weren't the, uh, the outstanding ones that, that everybody's just going to, you know, lead that one again, you know, they're, they're not going to have that mindset, but it's new songs. And some of them, you know, gradually people really did enjoy hearing more of those new songs. And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal at all. I'm simply saying that, you know, that's one example from my own life that we can, um, you know, put something into action every day, make something like he says, uh, like clear says in his book, make something obvious. If you want to start a good habit, um, make it obvious because as you break down what a habit is on the basic level, there's the cue, there's the craving, the response and the reward. That's usually the sequence that all habits take. Well, for leading more songs, um, you know, that's the, the ultimate goal I wanted to have. The cue is seeing the songbook. Um, the craving is, you know, being able to pick it up and, and just learn a new a new melody, a new song. Um, and, and the response is obviously, you know, taking that action to pick up the songbook and, and learn it. And then the reward is being able to lead that before the congregation and just, you know, expose us to a song we've never sung before. So, um, you know, so I think just putting those small things into action, uh, it may seem, you know, pretty insignificant. Uh, whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's going to visit someone, um, you know, whatever improvements you're wanting to make in your life, you know, the the technology that we have today, you can FaceTime or you can call someone who might be sick and shut in or whatever it might be. And, you know, it's so easy and convenient for us to uh, make those small changes. And before you know it, as you compound those day after day, you look back, I don't think it's a you know, an, you know, a overnight process, obviously, but you look back years later and realize just how much progress you've made and become a stronger Christian. Yeah. And when you keep in mind that you're not shooting for like by age 35, I'm going to be a good song leader or whatever the focus is, but you want to, like you said earlier, and like James Clear says, become this type of person, change your identity, then um, put everything that we've talked about together what you just said and everything else, um, then you will become that person. And I think if you'll go back and you'll listen to the first 40 minutes that we've recorded so far and you'll put all of it together, you've got the package that you need to get started to actually become, start becoming a, a new person, not necessarily reaching your goal that's going to be reached and then, okay, now what? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another thing that I'll include, um, uh, you know, along those lines is 
Stephen Covey wrote an incredible book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He breaks a habit down into knowledge, skill, and desire. Uh, those are kind of the three elements, as he describes it, that make up a habit. And if you want to adopt a good habit, you've got to have the knowledge, which is the what to do, the skill, which is how to do it, uh, and the desire, which is the want to, you know. Um, most of us don't need any coaching on on that desire component. You know, we know what we want and we know the outcome that we want. Uh, but hopefully in today's conversation, um, you know, and, and obviously I've leaned heavily on, on James Clear and others, um, you know, as far as kind of that that knowledge of, of what to do and the skill of how to do it. But hopefully that's a, a big takeaway for people today is putting together those first two components of knowledge and skill and uh, combining that with their desire to be a stronger Christian, ultimately that's going to lead them to that outcome. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing really, when you read this book that James Clear or even McCovey's book or, or any of these self-help books or leadership development books, there's nothing that's really just incredible about them, truly. I mean, they're simple concepts, mm-hmm. and it's like they're not really saying anything that hasn't already been said, but they're, maybe they're repackaging it in a way that's like it finally hits a tone with somebody. Um, everybody learns differently, and that's what it did for me. Um, a- absolutely. I, I would completely agree with that. You know, um like I had mentioned toward the beginning of the episode, we, you know, as we look at James Clear's book, you know, like you said, there's nothing groundbreaking. It's very simple, but yet very profound. And like you said, it's slightly repackaged, reworded in a way that I think it makes it more practical than a lot of resources on the topic of building good habits. Um, so I think that people can definitely benefit from that. But like you said, there's nothing new. Um, it's it's simply you know us drawing from from different you know different sources the same information that's that we've always had available. And if anything, you know, whenever a, a new book like this hits the market, it, it really can can help to refocus your attention on it and, and give you a renewed excitement for it. And so uh, uh, definitely have have valued from from the book. The last thing that I would encourage everybody to do, um, taking everything that we've said and then how people a lot of times that are overzealous will r- react to wanting that maybe they hear this podcast episode and like, Oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do everything that I said I've been wanting to do. And they get super zealous and then they go and you know, what they needed to start doing is reading their Bible about five minutes a day, but they're going to be super zealous and well, if five minutes is good, then 30 minutes must be great. And so I do this. I'm saying this from experience. I am one of those guys. My dad's mm-hmm. the same way that, um, yeah. you know, you need to start work, exercising again. So you go out and you kill yourself the first day, like where you can barely <laughs> walk. And that really is not helpful. It seems like, you know, if five minutes is good, then an hour must be just great. And it's really not. Uh, you've got mm-hmm. to build up to points, and sometimes five minutes is the best answer to start off with because mm-hmm. you will, what happens, you burn yourself out very quickly, and then you're back to square one again or worse. And um, I was going somewhere with that. I, <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, this may not be where you were going, but that's a good plug for Five Minute Bible Study. Ah, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Which now yeah. is more like 20 to 30 minute Bible study. <laughs> yeah. In this case, 50 minute. But um, yeah, there's plenty of actual five minute resources on there. That's why I developed that resource. And unfortunately, you know, I really didn't want to go there because, and, and I say somewhere on my website, five minutes is not enough to truly transform you. But it's enough to get mm-hmm. you started. And with what we just said, for people like me that think, you know, well, 30 minutes, you, you owe God 30 minutes. And you should get to a point where you give God 30 minutes a day. But maybe you need to start with five minutes to become the person and put the system in place that will tra- transform you into the identity you want to become. And um, Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And, um, you know, not look to not put the expectation on yourself that you're going to have quick results either. You know, yes. I think we need to put cl- clear expectations on ourselves. Um, one example that I'll use, you've probably, as you drive by my house, you've probably seen the big pile of wood that's just been sitting there for, for probably five months now. That shows you how uh, and this week, I am. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, this week, after work for a couple of days, just for thirty or forty-five minutes, I went out there with a uh, a uh, splitting hammer and and you know started splitting some wood, and you know some of those are, you know some of those are they have knots in them. Some of those chunks of wood that they just don't split, you know, that quickly yeah. or that easily, um, and you know you'll take several swings. The the splitting hammer will get stuck in the wood. You have to pry it out you know, your, your, uh, low back is killing you by that point, or I'm speaking for myself anyway. But, um, as you take strike after strike on that chunk of wood, eventually what happens, and I'm no expert on splitting wood, but I did it a lot with my granddad growing up. Eventually what happens is you hit that breakthrough strike where you hear the wood crack and you start to see it split. And you take the next strike, well, the two chunks of wood just split apart. And, uh, you know, that can be the most uh, satisfying feeling, you know, when you're, even when you're talking about just growth in general in in your own life and you you look back and realize just what progress you've made. Um, But when you reflect on it, you know, which strike was it that caused the wood to split? And a lot of people, you know, just might have that knee-jerk reaction. Well, it was the last strike. But had you not had all of those strikes before it, you would have never reached that point of, of that breakthrough moment. Um, and so to your point, you know, keep it small and just keep chopping wood every day, so to speak, and just keep working diligently little by little. More and more you'll grow stronger and you'll be able to make stronger strikes on the wood um, and you'll be able to, you know, read for, for ultimately having that goal of reading for 20, 30 minutes uh, of your Bible daily or even more. Um, and, and focusing on, on studying what you read as well, but keeping those goals smaller and those strikes smaller, and eventually you're going to see that compounded growth and, and those results that follow. As they say, good word. <laughs> That's some people's way of saying amen. Um, I'm going to start saying that. I like that one. Anyways, that was, I'll have to use that too. <laughs> that was a good wrap, I think. Um, I think that's a perfect example to, to kind of put everything together. Um, I think if we talked much more, people might think we're rambling on this, but I look forward to having you back for more talks on this. And when probably as we continue to read Atomic Habits, we'll have plenty more to talk about um, for future episodes. But I hope that people have enjoyed it, and I hope that they feel like they've learned something. 
Um, I do want to give a plug real quick for Trevor. He actually is famous. Um, not really. He is on the YouTube <laughs> channel on the Chapel Grove Church of Christ YouTube page. So if you'll just type that into YouTube, subscribe to our page. And then Trevor has a few sermons on there. One that I really would point you to on context here is Strong Weaknesses, a sermon that he gave a few weeks ago. It was one of my favorite that he, he's ever given. And talking from Second Corinthians 12, um, well, I would let you talk about it, but just giving a quick preview. Second <laughs> uh, Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about um, he is basically strong in the weaknesses that God has given him as trials, and how to take those th- weaknesses that we have and turn them into strengths. Just a great sermon overall. He puts it into a spiritual context and explains Second Corinthians 12 very well. He's a great teacher. Uh, he'll keep your attention, and he always puts in a lot of effort and work into his prep, prep, uh, sermon prep. So I encourage you to go listen to that one. Go listen to all the ones you can find and look for more in the future as we try to put out all of our sermons on video on that channel. I appreciate you having the time to come on here today. Any last words, Trevor? Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it, Um, you know, and, and, and working through the book together and kind of, you know, just like you said, today's just been a casual conversation about the things that we've learned, but hopefully there's definitely something of value for, you know, for the listeners and, and things that they can glean from it. And, uh, I, I've been excited to be here today and, and looking forward to the next opportunity. And hopefully we can do the second half of, of atomic habits and what we've <laughs> learned and, and gained and applied from it. So, uh, so definitely, definitely appreciate that and look forward to, uh, hopefully future episodes and, uh, you know, future, future collaboration on those. Um, and ultimately I would just, uh, you know, I think er- we've, we've pretty much, you know, covered the main topics today, but just encourage everyone, you know, to focus on, uh, personal growth, you know, whatever it might be, you know, if you normally, just for example, if you normally listen to music in the car, you know, maybe change it to, you know, 10 or 20 minutes of a, uh, uh, you know, of a, of an audio sermon. We've got a lot of great resources throughout the brotherhood. Aaron just referenced, uh, the YouTube channel and, and appreciate all of your work on, uh, putting those sermons on YouTube, making those available for, for everyone to listen to. Um, so just take some time to, you know, focus on what can you do today, something small, something that you can incorporate into your daily routine that's going to allow you to grow personally, grow spiritually, uh, and also maybe support some of those other pillars that we talked about that ultimately is going to lead to just a, a stronger overall life for yourself. So that, that's what I would, I would leave to everyone today. Appreciate it, Trev. Yep, absolutely. Thanks. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Me and Trevor get together semi-regularly and get coffee and just talking, and we we could talk for hours about this and other related stuff. He's just a really easy guy to talk to. As you can tell, he spent a lot of time reading and watching and listening to this area of knowledge, and he has a lot to offer there. So if you enjoy the episode and you'd like to have Trevor back on the podcast, holler out, let me know, and either way, I'm probably going to have him back on <laughs> So, well, that's the end of this episode, and to look forward to something else, next episode, I'm interviewing somebody else, Chance Dyer, a returning guest on the podcast. So if you want to learn more about things Chance has learned and changes and perspectives he's had since becoming a Christian that have been important to his spiritual growth, then again, that'll be episode 13. I appreciate your support, and until next time, you've been listening to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast.